Our meditation this third Sunday in Advent is on our Gospel reading. Hear the Gospel of our Lord from Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 11. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go, and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Leopards are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see, a reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see, a man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see, a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the Gospel of our Lord. God be praised for his glad tidings. Now grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week, we discussed the need for Christians everywhere to honor the Old Testament saints, those who lived before the death and resurrection of our Lord Christ. We spoke of how they endured a 4,000-year struggle to stay faithful to God and trust Him, while the devil declared an endless, violent, pagan war against them. Through war, temptation, isolation, and oppression, Satan hoped to extinguish the line of Christ and prevent the salvation of mankind. Heroes like Noah, Abraham, David, Isaiah, and Ezra all stood firm in their commitment to the promise of salvation in spite of these terrors. And just as God was faithful and kept his promises to them. We take comfort and encouragement knowing that he shall be faithful to us as well. But at some point in history, there must be a final Old Testament saint, the last of them whom we ought to honor. Such a one must be a special individual someone entirely familiar with the Messiah and having great hope for his arrival, but missing the boat, so to speak. He would be present for the last days before the atonement, but would not be around when it actually happens. He would know that the Christ was among men, but would not see the fulfillment of the age that Christ would bring. The last Old Testament saint would, like his forebears in the centuries prior, be aware that God was on the move, changing things as they happened. But he would not be present for the moment God changed everything. John the Baptist may not be the very last faithful saint to move on to heaven before the atonement happened. 
but he may as well be. In our reading for today, our Lord Christ himself identifies John as a towering, holy figure, one who personified the very best qualities of the ancient prophets and beyond. Our Savior says, What then did you go out to see, a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. He means it. Like Elijah, John lived in the wilderness, but he lived in the wilderness far longer than Elijah did, and he used it as a home base for his ministry instead of a refuge. Like Isaiah, he prophesied the coming Messiah to all who would listen. Only unlike Isaiah, he could actually point to Jesus in front of his students and say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Haggai and Malachi warned the people of the spiritual listlessness they were engaged in, and they got a few people to hear them. John the Baptist brought countless amounts of people to repentance in preparation for Christ's ministry in his lifetime. John the Baptist stands as the greatest among God's fallible human servants. The baptizer was a sinner just like you and me, but he had a special mission for which the Holy Spirit provided intense preparation. And his role makes him the greatest of men, aside from Christ himself. Citing Malachi 3 verse 1, Christ says that John the Baptist fulfilled a very specific prophecy. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. John was to be something of a town crier. You know, the one who yelled out, Hear ye, hear ye, make way for the king whenever the monarch passed through an area. Malachi's prophecy meant that John was a living sign of the Messiah's arrival. And John knew that this was the case. When asked if he was the Christ, he said no. Then they asked again, and he responded with his true identity. From John 1 verses 22 and 23, So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Knowing exactly who he was and how he fit into the plan of salvation, he pressed on and prophesied until he was thrown in jail. For such an individual, whom Christ says was greater than any man born of woman, we might be shocked to hear that he had his doubts. He sent messengers to our Lord to ask if he was truly the Messiah. We should not be so surprised by this. After all, whether he was the final Old Testament saint or if someone died after him that fits this description, everyone in this era was used to false messiahs. 
They were used to the revolts staged by enthusiastic pretenders. They saw a long line of failed kings in the books of Kings and Chronicles. They were familiar with the crazies out there in Qumran, living under the self-proclaimed teacher of light. Life under Roman rule was hard, and there were many times when desperate people took to following the first guy who would promise freedom through warfare or highway robbery or monasticism. But because none of these men were the Messiah, it always ended in failure and humiliation. We can sympathize with a questioning attitude, or a bit of skepticism, of course, because the phenomenon of fake messiahs did not stop after the first century AD. We're used to it, too. We have had our share of fake messiahs, from Jim Jones to Sun Myung Moon to ye olden times when psychopaths like John of Leiden led revolts like he did in Munster. When we hear that there is some new quote-unquote man of God claiming a great position for himself, we are naturally and rightly skeptical. Yet unlike our first instinct, which is to reject them offhand, John the Baptist asks whether Jesus is who John said he is. He is not blaspheming when he asked if our Lord was truly the Christ, nor was he denying that Jesus was truly the Christ. Instead, when doubts arose in his heart, he went to Jesus as directly as he could to clear it up. John the Baptist is demonstrating in this passage one of the reasons why he was greatest among men. When things are difficult, we are tempted to go to that which comforts us in a worldly sense rather than going first to our Lord. Drinking, partying, watching television, keeping ourselves distracted so that the white noise of a busy and hedonistic life keep us from listening to the voice that tells us we have a problem. We could have a nagging doubt about the faith, but never address it by actually asking God. After all, when you doubt that he will answer you, then there will be a temptation to not even bother asking. It should go without saying, but, beloved, most of the time, if you give God the silent treatment, he responds in kind. And John did not accept this possibility. Tragically, most people going through a period of doubt do not follow the example of John the Baptist. Instead, they prefer to sit in their comfortable ambivalence so they can do as they please for a while. And this bad habit leads to many people leaving Christianity altogether and pretending that no one was there for them. How many times have we heard some preening atheist say something absurd like, Yeah, I went to Catholic school. But I asked questions that the nuns didn't like, so I figured it wasn't worth it to be a brain-dead Christian. 
How many times have we met that jaded, angry ex-Christian make their best edgy voice and say, God wasn't there for me, no matter how many times I prayed, and the church wasn't there either. Almost every single time I have encountered this sort of attitude, I did the slightest bit of digging and found that these individuals did nothing of the sort. They either had a question and never expressed it, or they didn't listen to the answers they were given by well-meaning Christians because doubt was more comfortable and gave them permission to sin. Beloved, let us not be like the backsliders and apostates who left the church for frankly stupid reasons. Let us not be afraid of going to our Lord with our doubts, and let us expect a gracious answer. In the face of John's question, did Christ condemn the captive prophet? Did he scream that the prophet was a pathetic example of tiny faith? Did he hammer him down with the law? No. Our Lord says, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. He points John to all the good things he is doing, graciously showing his students all the things that demonstrate his true identity as the Messiah. Unlike the fake Christs out there, he really healed people's illnesses and injuries. Unlike those false positives, he preached the true gospel and showed his power over life and death. The fakers and phonies out there lived off of greed, power, and lust. Jesus shows that he is not like them in the slightest. In the face of John's doubt, Christ responds with an expression of humility and grace. In the very same chapter, our Lord says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. He gives such a gentle and encouraging answer to John on account of his humility. Truly among those born of women there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus, being the true greatest, made himself least in the kingdom of heaven so that he could raise up men like John the Baptist, and indeed all of us. He is so humble that instead of lecturing and berating the prophet, he shows his healing power to prove who he really is. Christ has no need to prove anything to you or me or John, but on account of making himself the least, he comforts our souls, builds us up, and reassures us that our walk with him is not in vain. The same Lord, who was willing to die for our sins even though we are undeserving, is the same Lord who can show us that he is the Savior we all yearn for. 
So, did John the Baptist believe more fully in Jesus after this exchange? The text does not tell us. But I would wager that he did. The greatest that humanity has to offer would naturally accept what he is told by the greatest being. A legitimately righteous man will recognize when our eternally and infinitely genuine Son of God speaks about himself. Yet while that is reasonable, remember that it is not on account of John's greatness that his faith would be strengthened. It is instead the humility and grace of Christ, who knew exactly what John needed to hear to keep going. When we undergo doubts, when we are in isolation and feeling the pain, beloved, we do well if we follow John's example of ask and wait. We must go to our Lord with our thoughts and our questions, and we should be asking for help from other believers. We must expect to hear something good from Christ who loves and cares for us the same way that he loved and cared for John. Let us rejoice, expecting to have our attention called to the good that God is doing in our lives and to the salvation won for us at the cross. And while waiting for his return, the same way that John awaited the atonement, we shall be stronger. For by our faith we are in good company with the baptizer, the greatest of those born of women. Now the peace of our Lord, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.